grateful to the Lord. Just thank him today. Thank him today. Some of us, the Lord had to chase us down, cause things to happen so that we can be embraced by his stubborn love. He deserves honor and praise and glory. Put your hands together, open your mouth, and just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is so amazing. You may be seated in your place. This place is just flooded with the presence of the Lord. I know you made a, a point to be here, but um, we've heard this phrase said so often, God hangs out in this place. And that's because as we praise him and as we, the Bible's clear. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So as we praise him and glorify him, I don't know, the place just gets flooded with peace and with, you feel it, just tranquility. You may have come in here stressed today, but all of a sudden it just seems to dissipate. And we feel uh, the warm embrace of the Lord in our situation. You know, I came to tell you today that God really, really loves you. He's madly in love with you. Madly in love with you. You say, yeah, but I've been bad. Yeah, you've been bad, but he still loves you. I've strayed, but he still loves you. There's a stubbornness about God's love. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in his time on earth as he was teaching here and there and bringing uh, about the fulfillment of his mission that was created in eternity to really capture and rescue mankind. He was often confronted in his ministry with people that would just come against him. You know, sometimes it seems like for some folk you can't do anything right. And Jesus was always confronted, and confronted by the religious folk. They would come and put pressure against him with regard to his teachings or the particular day that he was teaching, and, and on and on and on. And I like the Lord because the Lord, um, he's just able to navigate through public pressures and, 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 and public opinion polls, if you will, <laughs> to carry on his goal and his mission which was really to be the conduit of God's love toward mankind. It's really what it was. And you find sprinkled throughout the, the readings of the gospel as the Lord was uh, navigating in those three years about, it was about approximately three years of ministry, public ministry, that he was pushed around and, and confronted. Some places he had to leave the, the, the towns because it got pretty hot. And then people would come in and... Um, and the gatherings that would instigate the crowd. You heard about that lately? <laughs> they would instigate the crowd. And Christ had to navigate through that as well. Because not everyone that pats you on the back is your friend. Don't look at anybody. Just say hallelujah if you can. Or just do mm if you can again. And in one of those confrontations that he has from the religious folks, which I find it so fascinating, it's the religious folks. Pharisees, Sadducees, that's what they were called. Today they would become denominationalism or these evangelistic national people or whomever. Religious. Because, you know, we need to strive. Church, I want to teach you again. Let's not be religious. Let's be spiritual people. It's different. It's a difference. It's a difference. Relig uh, religious people can be dogmatic and legalistic and, and opinionated and uh, judging. Spiritual people have a, a, a tuning in that you do uh, with God's spirit, and you move forward that way. And so in one of those the situations where he's being confronted and pushed back, 
by the religious leaders. They got all upset because, you know, the, the, he was hanging around with beggars and hanging around with people, uh, the, the, the downcast of, the, of society, the underbelly of society, the marginalized. How dare he hang out with immigrants? They're the wrong political party. What is he doing with them? You can stop saying amen whenever you want to, but I'm going to keep going. That's why today I want to preach on the sermon, Lost but Valuable to God. Lost but Valuable to God. And in the writings of Luke, he presents to uh, those that were opposing him because they came pretty strong. If you look at verses 1 through 7, and they were tax collectors and sinners and other people that were gathered. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they came and they said, not to Jesus because they were cowards, so they said it to someone else. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. And if you ever want to study uh, parabolic teaching or preaching, Jesus is the master. A parable is simply a story of, of a current event story or something you can connect to in society today that Jesus used it to bring a, a, a conclusion or a spiritual teaching. And in a parable, what the Lord would do, he would present a, a scenario that people would know. And then at the end, it was a real quick story. Then at the end, you either fell on one side of it or on the other side. You couldn't sit on the fence. I'm totally convinced that if Jesus was ministering today on, on earth, you know, and here because he's at the right hand of the Father, that he would talk about the bike lanes. He, he would use a parable about road rage. And today he would probably use a, a thing about wearing masks and washing our hands. Things that people would connect to. But he would use those not to be cute or clever, but rather to allow people to hook on to something that they understand at that moment and then bring a spiritual teaching. And then at the end of his presentation, you either fell on one side or the other. Some would say, and I agree with that as you study deeply scripture, is that parables were really used to divide the group, to show people who they really are. And at the end, you couldn't escape. So he uses a parable, and the parable he uses was the one that's known as the parable of the lost sheep. And he tells him the following. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it in his, on his shoulder and goes home. Then he called his friends and neighbors together and, sa and said, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need repentance. And we're living in a time that 99 people are telling you they don't need repentance. In this parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd actually leaves the 99 to find that one that has gone astray. Notice with me in the story that no reason is given for him to go astray. No reason is pursued. He simply went astray. We don't know why. We don't know if he was lured by his friends. We don't know if he won the lottery and ended up going to spend the money. We don't know. We just know that he went astray. We as human beings often want to know why. 
And God wants to know whom. There's a difference there. Oftentimes we find someone that has left us or moved away from our circle. And all of a sudden, but why did they leave? God doesn't go that way. To him, the reasons don't really matter. You matter more than the reasons. See that in the story. In this story, the Lord is illustrating the immense love and compassion that God has for all. Please stay with me as I go through this. It graphically shows the extremes that God will go to in order to find a lost one. Realize that in the parable, those that were left in the pen were not left less important or less left unattended. God, uh, the, 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 the shepherd here didn't walk away from the 99. He made sure that the 99 were secure, were okay, and he went to find the lost. This is important. Both are important, the 99 and the one. It's important for some people to be a citizen of the, of the United States of America thinking that God only looks at them favorably. But I'm here to tell you, even if you're not a citizen of this country, even if you're an immigrant, or even if you're illegal, if you don't have documentation, God loves you the same way. Even if you live on this side of the, of the wall, or on the other side of the wall. You know why? Because you're not like a puppy dog or a cat. You were created in God's likeness and image. And so God is fondly in love with you and wants to lavishly bless you. And in the story, we find that what is demonstrated for us is that God, or oh, the shepherd, actually took care of the 99 just as he took care of the one. God's love and compassion covers all areas of our human endeavor. Only God can love so lavishly. We, you and I, fall on one side of the fence or the other. But God loves everyone. Let me tell you a secret that I've discovered as I was preparing. If you have enemies, God even loves them. People you can't stand, God can stand. That's how lavishly God loves. We cannot. So what we do is we join signs and then sides and then we point the finger at the other. It can be said that God is the God of both sides. You and I, because of our human limitations, could never be able to embrace that level of love. We do love an individual. We fall in love and we spend the rest of our life with someone that endears our hearts and captures our hearts. And we can see ourselves with a, in, a, in a future with them. But God is the God that loves in such a way because he is the actual definition of love according to the epistles of John. God is love and love is God. Love, love emanates for God. I live under the conviction that you can't truly find blissful love in any endeavor in life unless you know God. It might be lust, factuation. It might be a moment. But true, deep down love that makes you, that transforms you, that you expect nothing in return from the individual, that's a God kind of love. And God is able to love to that degree, but you and I don't have the capacity to do that. Yes, the people that are here, you will give your life for a family member. If a family member needs a right arm, a left arm, a kidney, or whatever, you will do it for a loved one, right? God did it for someone that rejected, them or rejected him already. So I suspect that many of us would not go that, down that journey. If they don't look like me, if they don't they have the same color skin that I have, if their last name has too many vowels, then maybe I'm a little bit better. Say amen if you can. If you can't, just say ouch. 
I said that God is the God of both sides. The first application I want to have for this parable, which is powerful as he's confronting these religious leaders, is please get park on this thought. Some people in your life will never appreciate your worth. In fact, some people will take away your worth. And devalue you by saying your hair is the wrong complexion, the color is the wrong complexion, you have too many vowels in your last name, you come from the wrong side of the track. They will work their work to try and devalue you. Don't let people add value or take away value from you. Once people define you, they own you. And you are made in God's likeness and image. They will never appreciate your value. Some people will just never appreciate your value. No matter what you do, it's always never enough. So think about this for a moment when you think about people never appreciating you. Lower your expectations of others, but please don't lower your personal goals. Go after those aspirations because you've got it. God put the potential inside of you. You can make it. When they tell you no, say no, I can do all things to God who strengthens me. When they tell you that, the, that the, you have limitations because of whatever God will, has gifted you in such a way that you can move forward. Don't let other people devalue you. Find your value in God. He made you. Go knocking on his door. Go bow before his feet and you will find your worth. You might be expecting too much from those that are around you and they don't have the capacity or ability to be able to affirm you the way you want to be affirmed. To a certain degree, you and I need to be self-actualized. Think about it, those of you that are adults here with me today. When you were growing up, the things people told you you could not achieve, but you almost, in a very carnal way, want to go back and go, yeah, 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 look at where I am now. But don't do that because I'm not a Christian way to do it, but you got my drift. Uh, people will shortchange you, will tell you you can't make it. Nothing good comes out of, out of the projects. Nothing good comes out of the Lower East Side. Nothing good comes out of poverty. I'm here to tell you that God is a God that is interest, interested in the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the people that don't count in the eyes of society. Praise the Lord if you can. So some people will spend their lives depreciating you. I want to tell you that God appreciates you. God is madly in love with you. But I want to also have you realize about God, as I mentioned it in my introductory comments, is that God cares about all and one. He cared about the 91, I mean, I'm sorry, 99, and also the one. He made sure the 99 were, were firmly taken care of in the pen while he went chasing. You know what's interesting too? The one didn't even know that the shepherd had come out to find him. And some of you here and some of you listening to me don't even realize that God is chasing after you. He can run faster than you. He can see around corners. He will catch up to you no matter what you do or how you disguise yourself. God is going to catch up to you. To us. You know it's true. You think it's coincidence. It was not coincidence. It was that God showed up in the journey of your life and set you up so that you go crashing into Calvary and meet him as your Lord and Savior. And here you are looking all prime and, pre and pretty and, pre and beautiful. And it was God all along orchestrating you. Know, he's chasing after you. Praise the Lord. If you're going to clap, let's clap together and thank him for his goodness. So yes, God cares for both sides. In fact, God is the God of all sides. As I said, he, he loves even your enemies. Even, he loves even the ones that have come against you because he created them. Yes, even black lives matter to God. I know what some of you are thinking. I'm real theological. All lives matter. Look at the text. He took care of all lives matter too. The 99 were safe, but yet he went after 
says, all right? Be careful. Unless you know what you're talking about, don't say the Bible says unless you know what the Bible says. I think this parable is key in helping us define the context that we find ourselves. You know why? Because we're living in a time right now that, in my opinion, the only ones that can set the moral tone for this country are preachers. Is the word of God. The only prophetic voice that needs to be heard right now is men and women of God. And I, I consider myself one of them, by the way, not the, the one, but one of them that can speak because we live this. I don't know about you, but I'm offended when somebody lifts up a Bible upside down for a photo op. I'm offended because what right do you have to do that? You have to live this book before you can lift it up. And when you lift it up, please don't lift it up upside down. Got real quiet in here. He cares for all sides. He cares for those 99, but he also cares for the ones that are outside, the ones that are hurt, the ones that are hurting. Yet God covers them all. You and I, because of our human limitations, we fall on one side. Unless you believe what I believe, there's something wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with you or with you. God loves me and loves, loves you as well. Give people time so that they can find their place. Boy, it got real quiet in here. What we don't understand, we're trying to explain. It is better not to explain what you don't understand. Because when you try to explain what you don't understand, you make a mess of things. And I believe what we need now is a moral compass in our country. People applauding the defunding cops. There's some good cops out there. There's some good men and women that are serving out there. What do you want, anarchy? You know, and we point the finger at these protesters, and we point the finger at... I read an article just yesterday, and it says that the white supremacy right now is considered to be the major terroristic threat to this country. I just read that. But God loves them too. We got to pray that they have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and, or they crash into Calvary and really find out the worth that God has over their lives. Hallelujah. Got kind of quiet here. I think we're gonna, we called the 7th Precinct to send additional security so I can get home safely today because I sense the hostility in the air. God loves all, but he leans toward the one that is hurting. I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. Let me illustrate it this way. A father loves all his children. I have two sons. I love them. Love them. You have children. If you have more than one, you'll understand this illustration because this is what this parable is talking about. But the minute the one gets hurt, that is the one that matters. The minute that one is hurting, isn't it true? That is the, I'm one of ten. Nine now because my sister went to be with the Lord. But I'm one of, of ten, nine left. And when I was working in a store, and I tell this all the time, I hurt myself I cut myself in my hand. When I went home, my mother, taking care of 10, stopped what she was doing, bandaged me up, went with me to the old gouverneur so that they can stitch me up. At that moment, me, the next to the youngest one, became the most important one that mattered. So when you see in our society people that are being attacked, people that are being marginalized even further, People that are being labeled, speaking out of a place of hurt, of centuries of being cast aside and being pushed down because of racism. We cannot think that we can resolve or address or appease that hurt 
simply by saying that doesn't matter because the Bible says all people matter. At that moment, those folks are hurting. They need someone to walk alongside. And I'm here to tell you, God is so loving that he loves both sides, but especially the one that is hurting. He's, didn't he leave the 99 to go after that one? Come on, you can praise the Lord if you can, if you get this. And I could give you example after example, but think about family. The moment one of your loved ones is hurt, you go running after them. And you, it doesn't, you don't even ask what happened. You want to make sure they're better. Oftentimes we strive to find out why. Let that go. Let that go. Let's trust the Lord that he will take care. God cares for both sides. God never left the 99 unattended because God can love all. You see my recurring theme here? God loves all. He never leaves the 99 unattended. God, God's love uh, covers the 99 and the lost one as well. Note with me again as I repeat that, that the, when, the, when the one was led astray, there were no uh, uh, a deluge of questions. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you leave you? Who hurt you? No. He just loved them so much that went after him. See why? Because God has a stubborn love. And his stubborn love is so stubborn that what it does, it goes out to pursue us. In fact, the text tells us that the Lord or the, the shepherd went after everywhere he could. And when he found the sheep, now look, look at this. When he found the sheep, it says in the text that he picked them up and he carried them home. This is very powerful because there's no, no information in the parable that tells us that the sheep that went astray was injured or hurt or tired or had fainted. But the love of God was so overwhelming that at the moment of seeing that sheep, all he can think about is picking him up and holding him in his arms. That's why I can't wait till this COVID-19 is over. Because I know I can tell you I love you. I know I can tell you that I'm really proud of you. But it's a whole different story when I hold you in my arms and, and whisper into your ears, I'm real proud of your accomplishments. And I'm so thankful to God for the, the things that you're doing. I can't wait for that moment. I don't want to know that you got hurt, that you got discouraged. Yes, we'll find out later on. But I'm just so happy to see you. This shepherd was so happy to see that sheep that he found that was lost. And who knows what he thought, what could have happened. That he picked, I want to be picked up by, I don't know about you, but right now this 67-year-old man wants to be picked up by the Lord and embraced and just carry. There's something about carrying you. Hallelujah. When my granddaughters run to me and they, I just want to pick them all up. I can't anymore. One is 14, one is 8, and the little, the little one. The little one I can pick up, but I want to pick up. A, I can't. And I can see in their eyes they want me to pick them up. And I want to. I wish I was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> There's something about that that he loves. Right now, the Lord is looking down in this country and embracing people. Right now, the Lord is looking at your family, loved ones. That you thought were not living right and you're trying to figure it out. Stop figuring out. Just pray that God would meet them and pick them up and embrace them. And you say, yeah, but they, they, they got to show fruits. Forget about fruit for a moment. They just need Jesus. Sometimes our brothers and sisters, all they need is a caring a glance, a, a shoulder to wait on. And you say, yeah, but you're living wrong. Who's living? We're trying to live right, all of us. And we put labels on individuals. Can we love as he did? He went. And then the part that I love about finding the, the one that he went, picked them up. He was so filled with joy, right? Picked them up, carried them. Where did he carry him? 
Where did they go? The text says, home. You on the other side of that camera, time to come home. You that are here, time. There's something about home. Come on, you know it's true. My, I, and I can only use, talk, use my examples, so bear with me for a moment. Go visit my mom when she was alive, and I would go to Trujillo Alto and go visit her. My mom was already advanced in age, and, you know, things were not working well with, with her mind, but she would always recognize me and love on me, and I'd go in there, and I'm a coffee drinker, and I didn't care if the coffee had sugar, if the milk was fresh, if it was hot, if it was cold. I didn't care. The moment I sat down in Trujillo Alto in her, in her kitchen... Because that's where we sat. There was a dining room, but no, we sit in the kitchen. And she put that cup, whether it was good or bad or the worst cup of coffee in the world. Because I was home, that was the best. There's something about home. Come on, tell me about that. There's something about home. You can run, go, search all over, but you end up coming back home. He picked them up and took them. It's time for you and I to make a commitment to home. It's time for you to come. And home is not fancy. But home is filled with what? Love. That's what this parable is about. Love. You can have a big, gigantic, fancy house. I love those real estate and HGTV programs of these homes that they make. I can't believe people live like that. Amazing. I have like nine ideas I can think of what we could do with half of that property, right? But those are houses and possessions, and it only becomes home when it's filled with love, filled with God. It's time to come home. God's love is stubborn. God loves covers one, covers one and 99. He pursues till the end. He picked them. Then he goes and he calls for a celebration because when you come home, there's a celebration that has to happen. You know, right now people are discovering that when they have these big, gigantic gatherings outside, three weeks, two weeks later, all of a sudden COVID starts to appear. And you can be with a lot of people and not really feel loved. But there's something when you sit down with, I don't know how many people you have in your life, in your circle, but there's a, a few people that you just feel, they don't even have to say anything. Isn't it true? He called his closest friends to have a celebration because he that was lost has been found. I, I want to, I just need to stop here. It's not my, on my nose, but man, God is preparing a huge party for you. When you make it through that door, when you come back to his feet, when you reestablish a relationship with him, when you let him love on you, there's a big celebration that God is preparing for all of us and for you specifically. God covers the, the one and the 99. Although the one was lost, it was still valuable to God. You matter to God. You might be thinking in the recesses of your mind, but you don't know what I've done. I don't want to know, and God is not asking that question. He just wants you to come back. You don't know the mess that I've made. I don't want to know. I just know that there's a path back. I know it's difficult, but you need to forgive yourself and move forward and pursue the righteous life, the right life. And I'm not saying in this you need to become a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, an apostle. But you need to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Let his values, his system, his kingdom rule in your life. It is so difficult for us 
to love like that. We cannot, but that's the way God rolls. There is always a way back home. It doesn't matter how far you strayed. There's always a way back home. There is always room for you in God's kingdom. And you say, Pastor, but I've tried it before. Try it again. But I've done this before. I'm afraid I'm going to fall back. Aren't we all? I don't know about you, but you need to leave fearful that you can sin big time. The minute you stop thinking that you can mess up big time, you're in dangerous territory. I, I thank God for strength. I thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for disciplines in my life because those things. I thank God for my upbringing. You know, a very strict upbringing. Everything was a sin. Everything. Well, not everything, but some of you know what I'm right. I thank God for that. Why? It kept me straight. Kept me straight. And some of you here, thank God that your parents didn't let you go here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, but they didn't let me go on with Ponchi and Pucci and all the... <laughs> Ponchi and Pucci aren't even alive, but you're alive. Thank God. You know, it's true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's room for you, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said, who you've talked about, who you've put down. God's love says that there's value in your life. Jesus in this parable is criticized and attacked by the religious leaders for eating with sinners. Those leaders had hearts filled with wrong motives and, and prejudices and racism. Jesus stops to tell a story of how a shepherd left his flock of 99 to go find one lost sheep. The parable displays the beautiful meaning of God seeking out the lost, the hurting, the marginalized, and rejoicing when they are found. God cares about all of us equally and will stop at nothing to find us, to pursue us. You know what, church? We serve a really good shepherd whose heart is for us to be found, rescued, and renewed. May we care for each other in the same way. May this church realize that there are people that are lost but that have tremendous value, not only to God, but to this church and to his kingdom. Let us stand to our feet. I'd like every head bow and eye close as I pray for you and for myself. He loves you. And he's proud of you. Those things that you said in the past, he's not even remembering those. God chooses to forget our past. Just as you are. Yeah, there's a mess, but he loves you. Yes, you've run. He loves you. Yes, you tried all the ways that you could to avoid this moment, but he loves you. There is value in your life. Just render your heart to the Lord. I know we can't do an altar call here to have you come forward, but the Lord sees the posture of your heart right now. He can see beyond that. He can hear the nonverbal whisperings of your soul. And I will pray for you. 
Father, I come to you in this juncture of this service. And I realize that there are people here and watching us. Their lives have strayed for whatever reason. Strayed. But I know, dear Lord, because of this teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they matter. They have value. And you love them. I pray, Lord, for your forgiveness to come over my brothers and sisters this day. With the limitations of this pandemic that we're in, Lord, just touch that heart. Touch that mind. Let your peace that surpasses all understanding be poured over us from the crown of our head to the bottom of our feet. That sister, that brother, that they felt, Lord, so disconnected and unworthy and guilt kept pushing them and pushing them away. Lift that guilt from them right now and let them realize that you're madly in love with them. You want to lavishly bless them. I pray for the men that are here, the women, young people, children, those watching us. Forgive us. Cleanse us in your blood. Let this be the day of a new beginning. And I join with the church, Lord, for, to pray for the condition of our society today. Men and women, Lord, need to rise up and preach to the best of their ability. Your word as they understand it. You will give discernment, not just to the preachers, but to the listeners as well. We're living in a context, Lord, where very few things are important anymore. But Lord, we can never acquiesce to be the church. Only we could be the church. Help us, Lord, to speak truth, to encourage the powerless, to be for the voice for the voiceless. Help us, Lord, that we can push down on the emotional reactions and think through, Lord, what you tell us in your book. Help us today, Father. I lift up my hand, Lord, my right hand, and I stand right now on the authority of my calling over this church. And I send blessings, Lord, to my brothers and sisters. Every man, woman, and child, Lord, right now, I send blessings their way. I know, Lord, that part of the charge of my calling over this church is that you will hold me accountable for the spiritual condition of those, Lord, that listen to us today. Lord, I pray, cover them. Spirit of the living God, breathe upon them. Lift the guilt. Lord, bring the joy of salvation. Allow them, Lord, the ability to live an abundant life as we look at the assurances we have in you for eternal rest. Help us, dear God. Help us, dear Lord. Hold up your hands and just praise Him for a moment. We give you praise. We give you glory for this moment, Lord, that we have before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there's a special prayer that I, I want to have you join with me today. And I really sense that it was the Lord speaking to you. 
For some of you, the crowd disappeared when it was me just talking to you, to you, to you. I know it. I know it. And over the camera. That's the way God does. He's amazing. But I know we have this moment that God allowed us to get back on track. But schools are opening this week. And I, I want to, some schools are already opening and over the next few days. And we, we, the scheduling is all discombobulated in the church since COVID. But I want to take this opportunity to pray for the openings of our schools, if that's okay. So um, just bow your heads and just agree with me and pray. Father, I come before you in this very precise moment where our little ones, Lord, are, and our young people and young adults are going back to school. Lord, it's frightening, Lord. It is. We have to confess to you. Uh, but, Lord, we're, we're going to be as obedient as we can uh, to the regulations, Lord. And I pray today that you would cover all of the students. In fact, Lord, I'll take a step of faith, and I pray that you keep them safe, healthy, and well as they begin their return back to school. Some of them are still staying home, and that's going to be a different learning environment for them. But others are venturing back into school buildings, which might or might not be prepared. But, Lord, we're praying right now, not for the building. We're praying for our kids going back to school. And, Lord, I pray also for the teachers that will be instructing under a new environment and the administrators and the other professionals that work in the school system, the Department of Education, Lord, those counselors and therapists that are there, keep them safe as well, Lord. Keep them safe. And as we welcome the children, and we welcome the teachers, and we welcome the administrators, and we welcome the support staff, we do not welcome into the schools coronavirus. So we right now stand at the line of faith, and we say, not in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you keep our children and everyone in those school buildings healthy and well. We send the blessing that, that way, dear Lord, that they will be safe and healthy and well. And that no sickness, no outbreak of anything, and that that environment can truly be a learning environment for our children and our youngsters and our young adults returning back to school. And I pray, Lord, for the guardians that are here, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and uncles and, and, and aunts. Lord, that you calm us. Keep us calm, Lord, because we worry, Lord, but we want to manage that worry. So help us, dear Lord, to keep that at bay as we obey what has to happen over the next few days. And Lord, and all the predictions about what could possibly outbreak, Lord, we cancel that. We cancel that. You have a way of doing it, Lord. We cancel that. And we pray for your divine direction and wisdom as we lift up our children, and the school system to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.